Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Rick and Dodd Show. Two dudes, a podcast, and some laughs. Prepare to be underwhelmed. And away we go. All right, so we're back again for another week. Uh, it's actually been two weeks since we last talked, but I don't know what we've been doing as far as getting this stuff up on SoundCloud and Facebook and all that stuff. So <laughs> it could be a week, it could be two weeks, but uh, we'll, we'll try to keep it short. Uh, yep. Not too far in between. Yeah, we've got a uh, Facebook page, which uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to use. Uh, we've got a, um, a, a Twitter which I am probably so this is like two Twitter accounts I'm in charge of because my own I have my like professional one for uh, for my stuff too uh, for my writing stuff and uh, which is also my personal one and this one so it's a uh, fun um, it's a fun chance for me to learn how to use the internet a little bit so. <laughs> Uh, it's catching up to the rest of the millennials, I guess. Yeah, and I also uh, set up or grabbed some of the domains uh, just so we can have an easier redirect than either sending stuff to SoundCloud or sending stuff directly to Twitter or Facebook. Um, so we, we've set up some of those domains. Um, so now if you go to rickanddon.com, you will see that we have a domain at United Domains. But there's really nothing else there yet just because I haven't gotten around <laughs> to it. Uh, so eventually we'll get a landing page set up there um, that'll be, uh, you know, just as straightforward as, as some of the other pieces um, and anything else that we want to share across link and do some of that stuff. But uh, it's just a matter of uh, juggling all of that. So um, yeah. we'll get there eventually and then make it easy to distribute or contact us and get some feedback because, uh, I mean, since we have set up Facebook and Twitter, I mean, we've gotten a, a decent amount of feedback Um it's funny. One of the things we'll I'll bring up in a, in a minute um, about about some of the feedback from everybody, kind of listening into uh, the first couple of episodes and, and going from there, um, has, has been pretty cool. Um, the the there was something we talked about offline before, as far as a uh, essentially a homework project for both of us. So that's what we can close on that. Um, uh, after, after we talk through some of the stuff today, but, uh, yep. I'm just pretty, uh, stoked for, uh, just talking in general since we did take, uh, essentially a week off, um, last yeah. week since I was traveling, um, and kind of a lot to catch up on, uh, but even more excited today since, uh, there was a, a big tour announcement for my favorite band also playing with one of my, uh, all time favorite bands, um, with Metallica and Volbeat. So, uh, looking to, see all of my friends who are going to that and, and potentially uh, travel for that. So uh, I've, I saw that announcement this morning and then basically was trying to uh, pull double duty while actually being productive with work stuff and then figuring out <laughs> which show I'm going to, which pre-sale I can get into and then all of that stuff. So uh, luckily I think I have a plan since they announced it this morning and pre-sales go on sale tomorrow. So you don't really have much of a chance to go to, um, like if you're if you're trying to plan something for it so the only the only downside was um they are playing in chicago um which is uh going to be at soldier field which is walking distance from my apartment uh however the downside is my favorite current band volbeat is not playing at that show that's another one where it's just uh the other supporting act with metallica so 
unfortunately i i won't end up making that but the upside of that is that show in chicago was actually going to be the sunday of gp vegas so going back to go. some of our previous shows <laughs> i guess it's serendipitous that volbeat stopped playing that show so then now i don't have to worry about trying to leave vegas if that if we're ending up there um yeah <laughs> Uh, I was I was a bit productive at work. Our uh, our mutual friend Ed was asking for a ton of trading advice, and uh, <laughs> he's like he's like teach me how to trade, and I'm like I we'll just get cards to, I like. <laughs> go listen to our episode, and then come back and and you know ask me questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he goes, uh, it's so it's so cute. He's like, I got this card. What do you think? And I'm just like. What can you use that card for? <laughs> you got like a premium for uh, premium foil is pretty funny. I was like, you can't use that really for anything. You got one. You need four. Uh, you and you play two. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's there were some some folks trading this weekend when I I played and I was going to try to jump in and see if anybody wanted to trade and then I was just like my brain hurts from trying to just think of what I would want to trade up into. So it's just like, no, mm-hmm. I'll just be here to play and then talk and not really worry about trading. So, um, although there will be a, we will have to come back to that at some point, uh, and talk about, uh, Puka trade mm-hmm. and some of the other stuff and other ways to kind of mm-hmm. get, uh, outside your, your circle and expand some of that, uh, on kind of the digital trading front. Um, but you know, another day for another time. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was I was actually going to mention that we should probably revisit that at some point, and uh, I could probably get a little better, uh, be a little better prepared for it to uh, to to go into some some deep some deep cuts. Um, so uh, speaking of, of going deep, uh, last week uh, we did miss the Super Bowl. So did you end up uh, catching that anywhere? So I did, um, I I did, and so I went. Uh, we went, got a whole bunch of, uh, 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 my roommate and I went and got a whole bunch of snacks, grilled up some, uh, some Hoffman hot dogs, which is, uh, for those of you that don't know, is a local, uh, hot dog, uh, packaging company in Syracuse where I grew up. Oh, nice. Um, so they've started to like uh, matriculate down into the, uh, some of the supermarkets down here. My folks have got me a pack and did some, uh, wrapped some bacon around those, grilled those up and did a whole bunch of other hot dogs too. So watch the first half. The score is what it was. And I was like, well, I think I could take it easy. Played uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze on the Wii U. <laughs> Nintendo, you better send me a Switch. Um, you don't have to. I kid Nintendo. I love you. Please don't beat me. Um, and then I watched like I turned back in at like once the Patriots started to score, <laughs> and it was just like, well, I picked the best time to goof off and play some video games. Yeah, you picked the best possible time to take a break there. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the same thing with me. Whenever I'm watching baseball, um, I don't know whether it's uh kind of a nature versus nurture type thing but uh no matter what baseball game it is i can start watching it but i'm inevitably going to take a nap during it and then i'll wake up in about the seventh inning and finish watching it um so yeah i mean you ended up picking the the right point in time to (laughs) to you know break away and then come back when it was actually exciting um so i i was actually in town for work um uh that day, but I ended up having some coworkers that got together, um, to, to watch the game. Um, and it was varying levels of, of interest in just 
football in general, uh, but everybody was kind of just excited for the Super Bowl. Um, and so it was actually uh, one of my one of my coworkers, uh, my my manager or my second line manager at this point. Uh, he asked, like, at what point does it uh, is, is it considered a, a blowout or like too close to call or et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. And so we we were joking um, that you know it's it, it, there's been games that have come back. I mean, I remember in college when uh, it was a Monday night or I think it was a Monday night football game where Peyton Manning came back from like 21 points down in three minutes or something like that, um, and they won that game. And so I mean, so there have been some ridiculous comebacks, but uh, it did not look uh, definitely doable. Um, in the the way that they were getting set up but uh it it was just funny to watch where i really didn't have a preference as to who won but i was kind of rooting for the patriots just because i thought they were a better team and had a a better shot at it um and then everybody (laughs) was kind of being anti-patriots um yeah and then kind of seeing all of the uh uh kind of pro falcons uh stuff on social media and then it just slowly chip away and just watching it <laughs> watching it erode from like everybody and just seeing everyone just fade away and, and just kind of the the veteran uh kind of coaching staff and the veteran players and the, the Patriots mm-hmm. just play 60 yeah. minutes as opposed to uh about 35 was was interesting to see or I guess even yeah. it was more than 60 so you know 63 or whatever they ended up playing um <laughs> But yeah, it was interesting to see, and that I mean, it makes for a good story and always a, a better like comeback. So, um, and then you know, the the more that that they win, or the more Super Bowls the Patriots win, um, the less I have to hear from Steelers fans about uh, how many that that they have six Super Bowls over the course of their uh, there's uh, basically the history of Super Bowls. So, um, if I, I'm rooting for, I can't root for Dallas. Uh, and then, um, but I, I can root for the Patriots to get one more. So at least they, they can have another team that would tie them. So, uh, that, that'll be something I can look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why everybody was count, counting out Tom Brady and company. Like the Falcons were young. Tom Brady's Tom Brady. And I've never been really impressed by, uh, their, uh, Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's good, but you know, Matt Ryan never feels he, I, I I've never okay I'm probably gonna get flamed to death on this but um because I know absolutely nothing about football but I have watched a few games and he never feels like quite an elite quarterback um yeah like I grew up I mean yeah I watched a lot of Peyton Manning and stuff and uh just doesn't he doesn't feel elite well and that's that was one of the the cracks on him I mean after this game obviously but kind of around the same time where um he's he's always done well or he's put up a lot of good numbers statistically but then he just hasn't ever closed the door in the playoffs Mm -hmm. um and i mean there have been a lot of players like that and some of them have been obviously the player themselves some of them have been the team that they're on um so i mean it's you know it's good to see a statistical season he obviously played well enough to win the mvp um for for the year but Mm -hmm. uh it ends up being something where you know regardless of all of that, you know, you still come out and you still need to close the game as opposed to just Absolutely. putting up big numbers. So that was kind of one of the big differences there where seeing a lot of the kind of the, the key roles or key players on the Patriots come out and just, you know, do the job as opposed to exploding out of the gate like the Falcons did and then kind of keep it up um, was just kind of what I expected. I, I didn't expect them to need to come back from, you know, uh, a double digit deficit to get there, but, you know, that's a, a different story. Um, I ended up 
betting my dad a uh, a deep dish pizza because he was confident in the Falcons and I was confident <laughs> in the Patriots. So he wanted to bet something. So we, we put a pizza on it. Um, and then so I'll, I'll be enjoying that pizza next time. Uh, next time he's out in Chicago with me, uh, so we can we can go uh, go deep dish on it. My uh, my roommate and I did a gentleman's bet. Um, of he goes, uh, everybody goes. Uh, who do you, who do you think's gonna win? And I I pretty I was really pretty sure the the Patriots are gonna win. And we we bet a dollar, but I took the Falcons. I was nice enough to take the Falcons, and um, <laughs> so we go. And it's like the they start that rally and they score twice. And I go, I'm like, oh, he's I'm like they're definitely gonna score again. And my roommate's like, you want to make it, you want to up the ante and make this bet even more complicated? And I'm like, no, I'm just going to tell you Tom Brady's going to score again because I'm not just going to take your money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So kind of jumping off there for some of the uh, some of the, the blowback or, or flame. Um, there's been a surprising amount of feedback that I've gotten for my uh, public acknowledgement of my disdain of Thin Mints. Um, I didn't know it was that big of a, a controversial topic. Uh, I mean, there was some, some chatter on Facebook and even, uh, other people talking to me about it in other places. Um, and so, I mean, it's, it's surprising. Um, there, there were some Girl Scout cookies when I was in Raleigh, Girl Scout selling them, uh, when I was in, in Raleigh for work, uh, and seeing where again, like they had all the, the new flavors and the weird flavors and none of the ones that I remember as we had mm-hmm. previously talked about. Um, yeah. But it, it's surprising that that ended up getting us a, a lot of uh, a lot or a, a fair amount of uh, kind of conversation over that one point, and which led me to think of like other random foods that people are either very hot or very cold on, um, like uh, grapes and raisins. Like there's, I, I've also come to know like a lot of people that hate raisins. Like I love raisins. Um, and so whether or not it's, you know, taste or digestion or something, that's like another one that's very odd where it's usually pretty binary where people love it or hate it. Um, there were there were a couple other ones that I, I couldn't remember um, that it was just interesting to see uh, folks that, you know, would you'd just be talking about a, a, a pretty benign food, but then it'd be like black. And it's just like, how do you hate raisins or how do you hate uh I understand condiments like there's a wide range of condiments from, you know, uh, mm. for the longest time I couldn't stand Italian dressing. And now I, you know, I like it a decent amount. I've grown up with, you know, mustard on everything, but I know that there's also a very large anti-mustard contingent in the world. Um, and, and so it's just interesting to see the kind of focusing on the, the disdain of thin mints or generally I'm not a huge fan of mint in general. Um, so like, I don't like shamrock shakes. I don't like a lot of that stuff. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm. just kind of coming back to the, uh, the, the thin mint, uh, debacle of, of, uh, the beginning of our podcast. Hopefully, uh, we can, we can get everybody on board again as a, as opposed to dealing with that. <laughs> yes, I think, I think we can. Um, yeah, I, I I guess we'll just have to get. Uh, what we should do is what I've noticed in a lot of other podcasts is that see we start off we started off too benign and we we just needed to it didn't take a hard to, enough stance on something. <laughs> we did, we started off with something silly like what apparently what you're supposed to do is just name a ton of like outlandish things 
If I was like, I, I agree with Ben Franklin, I think the turkey should have been our national bird instead of the bald eagle. And then we were like, oh, by the way, Thin Mints are like kind of like, you know, okay. Or if you were like, I, you're not a big fan of them, that totally would have blown over where people would have been like, I mean, I don't know how much people care about bald eagles, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, then we could have at least been one of two countries in the world where they the animals on their flags are when they actually eat uh which is mm-hmm. what they have in australia with the, the with the kangaroo and another animal um because they're so prevalent that they eat them down there but they're also on some of the the kind of official doc official seals of the the country um which is which is an interesting uh, tidbit as well <laughs> yeah i uh Golly, I thought you were going to say it was, a, it was a country that has a narwhal on their flag. I figured that was the country that where they uh, where they eat their uh, eat their animals. <laughs> yeah, not that I know of there, but uh, um, I don't know exactly how healthy a narwhal would be. Um, I, I imagine it's just kind of like a lot of blubber and some meat, um, but it's probably not not the greatest uh, for uh, you know. There's a lot more to be said for kind of eating eating animals in the wild than uh, kind of going after the narwhal. Although, I, I imagine the uh, is it a horn that it has? Is that what it is, or is it does yeah. it that to have another name? I would just I I am not a narwhal expert. Um, oh damn it! Uh, now we have to get <laughs> a new podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, things things I'm not an expert in is like a lot. Um, so, uh, I, I, I think it's a horn, like they might call it like a tusk, but I feel like it's just a horn cause it protrudes out of its face holes, like out of it. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it, it protrudes like above its face holes, I believe. Um, which is, that's actually the scientific term for uh, any hole that's on your face. Okay. <laughs> it's the, uh, that's the Latin root of, uh, a uh, facis holis. Yes, it's uh, it's whole of uh, whole of breath. I believe that's what it means. So, got back from checking on dinner and didn't burn down our food or you know the the stove or anything like that. So, um, we can get into the meat of what I wanted to talk about this week, since it's something that's very. You had mentioned it before in the past, and something that's kind of um, central to both our work, but in very different ways. Um, and that is the kind of process of writing, uh, and Mm -hmm. kind of touching on your writer's conference. Um, because there's a quote, um, that I, I have no idea who it's attributed to, but I've heard it in many different, uh, many different forums, um, where it goes, uh, I appreciate having written, but not the process of writing. And that is, that is me to a T, um, where I, uh, work in, you know, in my professional career in many advisory capacities or consultancies. And so unfortunately I have a lot of stuff stuck in my brain, um, that I need Mm -hmm. to put on paper and get out to people and help them understand what I'm doing. Um, and so for, for better or worse, that is my value in life. Um, but I hate the process of actually slowing down, thinking about it and putting pen to paper and structuring things. Um, so that's where I, I kind of wanted to pick your brain on that and kind of see what you do. Um, how the, the approach there is to, you know, something for 
flow of consciousness, which is kind of what we're doing here and kind of talking mm-hmm. through versus some of the, you know, like the blogging that you do for um, games, uh, the gaming store uh, versus, you know, just writing in a professional capacity. Um, mm-hmm. And then that'll lead into some of our homework uh, for later on. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. So I, so I do the, I, I do the, the blog for the game store. Um, I'm, I, uh, obviously I, I write poems. I mean, that's not really obvious, but, um, that's what I studied in graduate school. Uh, and then I also write, um, I also, I guess I'm working as a consultant. I don't, I don't know what the official term would be for me basically ghostwriting that book, but, um, for the insurance place that I'm at. Uh, but yeah, so there's, it's all, it's all really different. Um, right. <laughs> the writing for, I, I will tell you that writing in a professional setting, um, never just feels good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, no, ma- <laughs> no matter what, uh, no matter what I'm doing, uh, when I'm, I, you know, it's like I, I enjoy the act of writing, but when you're writing something about is, you know, uh, that's like, you know, kind of not like super exciting. You can be like a little down about it, um, and that happens. That happens a lot, uh, especially when you have to do like a lot of research to figure out what you're trying to say in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you have to. I mean, it's there's two different points there. Like when you have to, you know, just start from a blank slate and figure out what you're going to write about and do the research to do it. There's a lot of work there. And then there's also mm-hmm. a lot of work on the other end when you have so much information or just so much kind of gathered experience that you need to write something and you're trying to narrow it down at the same time. And so it kind of goes a little bit of both ways where you're just, you know, digging for anything you can, you can figure out versus, what makes sense, what is valuable versus, you know, what is not. And so, I mean, that ends up being, um, you know, many different types of quote unquote writing versus going from, you know, research to technical writing to, you know, mm-hmm. which is more of what I do versus other stuff, which is, you know, just normal journalism or, uh, you know, just kind of, uh, documentarian typewriting things like that um, to the more, uh, you know, fiction style and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and other types. Um, but it, it's just something where the, the process there is like, I could be doing something that's much more productive, but at the same time, like when I look back in three years and saw that I wrote this and published it and it still has value now, like that's very mm-hmm. satisfying at the same time. So I have like this constant internal struggle, struggle, um, of going back and forth of having to, you know, sit down, slow down, have my thoughts put to paper, um, which would be much more valuable in the long run because then I can give somebody that piece of paper instead of having to have the conversation over again. Um, but I just <laughs> don't ever, you know, slow down to, to do it. So it's kind of like a cut my nose to spite my face thing to, you know, be able to take time, slow it down, write it, do it as opposed mm-hmm. to be single threaded, but then I just never get around to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, so, uh, so when it comes to the, when it comes to the, I guess the, the insurance manuscript, uh, that I'm working on, uh, it, uh, that one's like, it's, you know, it's obviously what I'd rather be doing while I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but there is it's really hard to find the energy for it and so um so like one of the things is that uh go through like a uh like ups and ups and downs like i've i don't know if we've ever like talked about it but it's like i've dealt with like like a lot of depression and stuff and one of those things is that like that that always really gets me is actually uh finding the energy to to do things and especially when um i deal with especially when dealing with like work stuff it's almost near impossible to do anything Mm -hmm. um and usually you know it's um yeah and it's it's not it's not too bad uh but it's a drag um and you know it's uh, my coworkers are cool. I mean, I always, I'm super thankful for the opportunity and, and everything. And I, I and I try my best, but it's you know just getting the get up and go to actually do it. And you know, and I, there's only you know there's only so many ways you can write the same thing over and over again. Yep. And um, with my personal writing, it's um, and even even with the. Even with the blog post, um, with with the blog post for for East Coast, um, they um, they're actually really cool. Um, I'm trying to get myself on a better schedule to um, create content for them more consistently. And so, what's the what's the website for that? Just for for people to to jump to, since even I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, well, that's a good question. It is uh, EC. Whoops! Hold on, I'm going to tell you something wrong. They've <laughs> yeah, because I remember there were some more hyphens in there than what I was expecting. So yeah, there's quite a few hyphens. Um, it is. Let me pull it up here. Uh, e hyphen C hyphen gaming dot com, and those blog posts are under uh, our blog. Um. And most most of these blog posts are by me. There's by uh, there's one by the the board game person, uh, uh, but most of those are by me. I'm just trying to get on a more consistent uh, basis to get those to them, so it doesn't like I want it to not feel like uh, a drag when I do them. Um, and uh, you know, because sometimes because I do, I put a ton of work into them, and they do pay me for it, um, so I can't be upset at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for those, so at least there's some inspiration there, as opposed to the list of uh, of personal blog po- topics that I can look at and be like, yeah, I need to write all these. But the only validation is me just having again having written it and not doing anything else. Mm-hmm. So at least you have a little monetary uh, uh, kind of. Uh, drive to do some of that as opposed to me just being like yeah i shouldn't be lazy yeah yeah well so and uh and even with that like i do not put them out i've i've been doing the blog thing for uh more months than i'd like to admit and i've only gotten three out um to be fair like a lot of it has happened in like a lot of life stuff um you know changing jobs moving you know all within last you know geez all within like four months changing my role you know of what i'm doing doing there mm-hmm. um uh you know dealing you know dealing with family stuff and and all that and it you know it, it's uh, i'm trying to get better about it 
I'm actually thinking about doing a uh, a series ramp up here, where I can tr- I want to try and get one out every uh, every couple of weeks here leading up to GP Vegas if I can go, um, uh, to sort of catalog the journey of me getting ready to go on a trip, and some of the things that I'd be looking forward to about that, and and those experiences. Um, yeah. And- That'd be cool. I mean, I did that similar to uh, a post. I forget the site I created for it, um, but I did that prior to the the one time I went to the Pro Tour uh, when it was in Spain based off of winning a, a, a PTQ back in the old style of format um, where I kind of <laughs> did the same thing um, of just documenting, like getting back into it, what I was doing and getting over there and playing and stuff like that. So um, I think like those experiential style uh posts are, are a lot more fun to read um than anything else that you're just kind of like hardcore strategy and, and stuff like that yeah. since there's plenty of uh, like results oriented thinking going mm-hmm. into those blog posts as opposed to i know i'm not going to be spiking a pro tour anytime soon so just you know seeing people having fun and understanding and kind of knowing how they how magic is a boon for them is is mm-hmm. better uh for more better yeah I, i'm uh, amazing with diction tonight um <laughs> uh, it's just more beneficial for like i mean just kind of the the content around the community right. as well yeah and you know i and i and I, I do enjoy doing the the blog uh for east coast uh because it's different um my so i've always had this secret ever since i basically found like I, I am so naive about so many things. And the only thing that changes as I get older is that I learn, like, I know less and less. Uh-huh. And so, um, like, I knew of not, like, it's funny. It's be, before my program at, at Queens, uh, I, I knew, you know, I knew of nonfiction and I knew of, like, fiction and all that. And, you know, I had taken screenwriting classes and, and that. But when I got two queens um i read this book uh called the two kinds of decay uh which basically uh there's a poet from the iris uh i i can't can't i'm gonna mess up her last name um but it's written by sarah my <laughs> uh, something because I can't, I can't remember her last name completely yeah i'm uh, gonna say you probably messed up her name there yeah, yeah, but her first name's Sarah. I'm pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm like ninety percent sure, and like as I say that out loud, like I become less and less certain. It's like when I'm coding <laughs> coding for anything work related, and I've typed the same word sixty five times, and I'm like, yeah, that's not how you spell that word in real life, but I've I've made up a new spelling <laughs> for it. But no, it's actually how you spell it. It's just staring at it for like a hundred through a hundred lines of code makes you doubt your makes you start to doubt reality, not even just yourself, pretty quickly. Yeah, so it's funny is that ever since I've actually begun to write a lot, I've actually become a worse speller because I'm too busy. I'm like uncertain about all the words that I write now. Uh, <laughs> so and then you're just trying to have like, senses flow too quickly, and then you're not worried about the word itself. Yeah, yeah, and, and like uh, there have been times where I'll just stare at a word and be like, mm, "I know that's spelled right." And like it says it's spelled right, but I'm like, it doesn't feel like it's spelled right. It's like really it was weird disconnect. Um, but so in the two kinds of decay, uh, it's just this, uh, this poet from the Iowa writers workshop talks about how she's dealing with a rare blood disease and how it almost killed her. And, and, you know, 
I got read that. That was like that was like one of the first real pieces of, of nonfiction I read, uh, combined with Columbine by David Short. I hope that's David Short. Um, I'm actually going to do a good Google check on that real quick before I don't want to tell our listeners anything like belligerently, belligerently wrong. Be like, well, you said it was this. Well, we can also uh, double check, uh, check that out and put some links up into it eventually once we get some of these things posted with more information. Yeah. Uh, uh, David, <laughs> whoops. Uh, David Short wrote, I believe, wrote something else I read. Uh, Columbine is by David Cullen. Um, and it's actually a nonfiction telling of the Columbine, uh, the Columbine shooting. Okay. And um, through a series of interviews and uh, everything, he like I read it. It was like the first thing. Those those are the first two pieces of nonfiction that I actually like sat down and really read outside of like you know like shooting elephant and other essays by George Orwell for for any advanced AP English class or. I swear, I've been I've been told to read that essay like six or seven times in my different classes, and I'm like, he shoots an elephant and they trip him while he plays football. He kills the elephant because he wants to feel like he wants to belong with the native people that he's like, as he's like imperial guy number six. Like, like that's it. That's all there is to that essay. There's not. <laughs> yeah, for for our AP English, we had uh, a good number of books to to read. Um... Uh, one of which was As I Lay Dying, which I still love because mm-hmm. there's an entire chapter. The entire chapter in the book is just a single page, a single sentence, and it's My Mother is a Fish. And then it just goes on <laughs> to the next chapter. Um, but that was still – above and beyond that, that was pretty awesome. But then my favorite one uh, was Heart of Darkness, um, okay. which uh, which we read that. Um, again, it's one of those uh, books that is you know 80 – 110 pages if that um Mm -hmm. and i was like oh that don't won't take any time at all to read and that's what the teacher said we thought we would do and she's (laughs) like but you will want to take your time in reading it and it took me literally like all summer to read it as opposed to just getting through 80 pages um but it's had so much uh, relevance in life i you know having uh um apocalypse now based on that um (laughs) And, you know, having so many Heart of Darkness uh, and Apocalypse Now references through uh, geek culture, uh, even when I was binge watching Stranger Things over uh, Christmas break, they ended up having uh, a Heart of Darkness reference directly in there, not even just a uh, Apocalypse Now. Actually, it may have been an Apocalypse Now reference, but I believe it was also a Heart of Darkness reference where they called out Kurtz and some of the the stuff in there uh, by name. Um, So it it was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's right. I have like three episodes of that to finish. Um what happened was that I was watching it, I was been watching it and drinking Ecto Cooler and I ran out of Ecto Cooler. <laughs> so you, you didn't want to go <laughs> any further until you had more Ecto Cooler. I couldn't and I just I had like so much Ecto Cooler in such a short period of time. Like because what is it? I had finished I had oh god, I had finished psych. Like while doing the same thing, and then I started in Stranger Things, and I'm like episode six. This is like eight episodes, yeah. And uh, it was rough. I was like, I can't handle any more dry tangerine flavored green tang right now. And uh, <laughs> that was that. So <laughs> uh, now that I've actually completely got on a diatribe, um, so I first experienced nonfiction with those uh, while I was at like I want to say like really experienced it while I was at Queens. And the uh, entire 
the entire program just opened up like a whole world, like so many different things to me um, and learned of artists and works of uh, works, uh, creative works that I'd never even heard of or even thought about. And just like reading nonfiction over and over again for some of the seminars in that program just was like, there was always something good. And there was always something like a, like a visceral response that I always like, I started to fall in love with. And I actually thought about getting a, a concentration in that as well. Um, I didn't like really think about it because I needed to create like a ton of work for it. And was like, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling as I'm working at big lots, getting yelled at by the ladies as it is just writing poems on receipt paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't imagine actually trying to write like nonfiction memoir pieces or something of that nature <laughs> while continuing to be getting yelled at by, by ladies <laughs> at big lots. Um, so, <laughs> so I really like nonfiction and like I do, I, I love the, I love the fact that I can use those blog posts as that outlet um, because like, you know, it's like, they're not, you know, they're loosely related to magic. They're not really, you know, I, I try to get it at points that are a bit, uh, a bit more in depth and a bit higher in uh, that you can take a little bit more meaning away from and. Uh, than just like as you said earlier, like the strategy stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. But when it comes to when it comes to, like when it comes to like my actual um, like my personal my like real personal writing with like my my poetry and stuff, um, that's weird. I don't like. I am. It's so funny you want to talk about this because it's like, um, if <laughs> he. It is such an – I have such an entirely different experience than a lot of people do. Um, is, it, <laughs> at least, is it cathartic in nature for, for some of that stuff as far as depending on what you're writing, the technical or nonfiction versus some of the other stuff? Um, the So it's weird because so – this is going to sound so weird and it probably has a lot to do with like uh, you know uh, all, all the depression and – how that's been like an ongoing thing. Um, you know, it's been an ongoing thing through my life, but when, <laughs> like when I write, so, um, most of the times when I write poems, I'm just like, absolutely like, I'm just numb. Mm-hmm. Like is the only way I can describe it. And, you know, and I separate like, like I'm numb and I'm detached from like really what I'm doing. It's really weird. It's not like it's not like a purposeful kind of detachment, but I know I'll like I'll still obsess over stuff in a in a, in a way, but like I'm not like I'm I'm like numb to it. Like I'll read a poem over and over again uh, or something that I've of uh, one that I've written, and like to the point where it's like I just can't tell. Like it doesn't make me feel anything, mm-hmm. and um and I and and it's like I just become so like I've become so numb to him. I know other folks that are like read poems and uh, that they've written. I was in a workshop one time where a guy apparently wrote about getting a uh, transplant, um, like a some kind of body organ transplant, <laughs> and uh, you know nobody could tell what the poem was about, and. Um, you know, it, it like nobody. He was he was just crying, and you know, it was an older guy too. And I I was I it made me feel awkward 
because you know nobody got anything from that but um I, I talked to a lot of other you know i've talked to a lot of other poets and stuff and and they always approach how they do that kind of stuff like you know they seem like really invested in it and they're always like clipping for ideas and stuff and it's hard to be like you know like oh how do you write and it's like i just do it yeah you know, and it's like that's such like that's such a weird thing to say out loud, and it's like I, oh God, it's like I don't want to sound conceited or anything when I say that or 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 anything, but it's just like you know, you just do it, like. And, and I mean, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, you've mentioned the the aspect of depression, and so a similar angle that that I come from is uh, a a world class case of imposter syndrome, um, where it's it's kind of always the the case of always being found out being a fraud something like that Mm -hmm. and so no matter what i end up writing no matter how much you know is is published and i use publish in a in air quotes because like we kind of control those distribution channels so uh, i don't uh even you know this is Mm -hmm. a self-fulfilling prophecy here uh but i don't put like the the stuff that i've written and published and, and put out there on the same level of something whereas like um folks who have published a book like uh, you get your, mm-hmm. your your poems published in in uh uh you know external sources or my fiance has a book that's available to buy on amazon things like that um so so like for me i can control those distribution channels to just push stuff up there no matter how much it's validated no matter how much it's reused mm-hmm. no matter you know how much empirical data and i'm very left brain and very scientific and all that stuff there's you know there's all of the stuff that says yeah all of this matters all of it's there and all you did was take your thoughts put it on paper structure it and put it out there and people mm-hmm. like it it still comes back to me. It's like, okay, yeah, there's still just like, you know, the vapid space there where there's tons of, tons of holes that need to get filled for imposter syndrome. So, I mean, that's generally something that I, uh, you know, similar to where you're saying you're, you're numb to a lot of that. That's kind of both a, a, a positive and a negative for me where be due to the imposter syndrome, I always have a drive to want to, you know, share my thoughts, do the writing, put it out there and mm-hmm. kind of collaborate. But then at the same time, I'm saying, well, it's not useful. Nobody wants it, all this stuff. So I'm like just fighting inside inside my body and in like every action I do to get it out there. So just mm-hmm. seeing some of it getting out there and getting it done. And that's kind of the the less weight I put on it. And the more I just, you know, like you said, just, you know, just do it um, to, to, you know, not steal Nike's tagline. Uh, I know. To, to just <laughs> just write, I, I guess. Um, uh, and so I, I don't think we're going to get sued by Nike, but if they want, I they can not. come take the uh, baked chicken I just made. Um, but yeah, so it's just basically all of that stuff to kind of narrow down uh, and say like, yeah, just, you know, get the noise out of it. Just do your thing. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know, once you have positive feedback, take the, the feedback for what it is or take the the success for what it is and don't kind of like put your own spin on it. Just kind of keep doing you and then you'll, you know, be more successful in that manner. Yeah. Like I know when it, and it, when it comes to a lot of stuff that I write, um, I it's it's this thing where it's like I told the 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 person, I guess I'm directly reporting to um you know, I was like, you're just going to have to tell me, you know, like, you're just going to have, I told, I told him, I was like, you're just going to have to tell me when to stop because I'm never going to be happy with anything that I'm producing for yep. you. Like, um, because I'm going to change with it and I'm going to, ch- you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to twist it and change it. And, and, um, you know, I'm going to keep finding stuff to make it, 
you know, to make myself feel better about it that I'm putting out a, a decent product. When it comes to my personal work, it's like, and it's just, and I think that's a leftover, like it's a leftover thing where I'm like sort of trying to differentiate how I handle writing for. Uh, professional settings versus my personal writing because my my uh, personal writing I just it's never good enough like it, it's never good enough and I feel like everything that I write is just awful <laughs> and um you know and I just I just don't you know like I'll have friends like people you know there are some folks that you know I, I never really even talked to I'll I'll because like I'll post a look uh, a link on Facebook um from time to time of whenever I get something published and like people that I like very really like, you know, didn't get a chance to like really speak to, um, who I know of, but don't know really well. Um, they'll like share my stuff and like, that's always cool. But you know, it's always to me where it's like, Oh, this, you know, and they're taking pity on the, you know, <laughs> on the doofy looking kid at, at residency who was, you know, just told poop and dick jokes the whole time. <laughs> and, uh, um, there have been many a folk who have made uh, who have made uh, quite a career on dick jokes, so even even that wouldn't be a problem. I know, I know, and you know, it's one of those things that I'm, I'd be looking forward to too is just making all the uh, all the all the dick jokes. <laughs> and <laughs> I always say that about myself, but I don't think I actually ever really make any dick jokes. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't may it may not necessarily have to be just you know. Th- that specifically but it could be you know that realm and and the <laughs> the, the mindset of, of those uh those that enjoy dick jokes enjoy the rest of them in that that realm of comedy so <laughs> it's usually uh kind of like a uh a shared uh uh domain for uh, for that type of humor that is very true <laughs> but so yeah i mean it's always like you know this is the one thing too is that like writing is like it is a really intimate thing. And, um, and that's one of those things where, you know, people are like, people, people are always like, Oh, what would your, uh, what would your ideal situation be to write in, in, in everything? And it's like, I don't know, like, you know, I just be someplace away from people by myself for like an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. Like people are like, okay, was it, was it thorough that oh my god what am i thinking of one of them was either emerson or thorough who like lived in the woods for a year like walden pond yeah was that i'm probably i oh god it's so bad i'm so bad about those Um, writers pretty sure that's thorough is it okay like the blades uh so you know, people are like, I don't. Yeah. I'm like, I could, I, I could, I could never do that. And it's like, I'm like, that sounds like heaven. Like, outside of the the random the random animals that could kill me, that sounds pretty great. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, if you were going to public school now, you would learn how to defend yourself against bears, and so you'd be fine <laughs> in that situation, right? Of course. So thank goodness. Um, but that's, that's very, or I was just gonna say it's very similar to kind of um, you saying that it's the the notion of just being able to have that retreat. Since uh, mm-hmm. I know of other folks who have done that, where they they go on writers retreats, and it's mostly you know a more uh, fiction or nonfiction. But um, I 
the video series I have for work, one of my coworkers um, was at a conference where they essentially, you know, it's a workshop retreat for like more technical papers of a certain mm-hmm. of a certain sort. Um, and so we recorded some videos there uh, as part of a, he was doing a keynote. So we turned it into a, a, a video session for the video series I have. Um, but it's very similar there where this was in, uh, you know, uh, downstate uh, Illinois outside of uh, uh, Urbana-Champaign um, in uh, in uh, Monticello, Illinois, uh, with just this, you know, this kind of estate there that's back in the woods uh, mm-hmm. that um, I didn't really even know if my GPS was going to get me there, uh, that, you know, that it's this big uh, sprawling estate and it's set off from dirt roads and, and everything else but uh it was you know just removed you could focus on just your writing and you know there's no other things there so like you can just you know sit down focus and like they workshop on papers and it's just a pretty intensive course to to be able to do it for a couple of days and so being able to kind of like do that electively to then go do that and you know and just kind of to write 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 would be would be pretty uh, <laughs> uh pretty uh uh fulfilling there is a uh, writer's retreat in North Carolina that's actually free, um, and it's at – oh, my goodness. I can't even remember the name of the place, um, but it's in Southern Pines, and it's actually – it's actually – I'm using air quotes, which you can obviously see over sound waves um, – uh, free to writers uh, with a suggested donation, mm-hmm. um, and it's at the Weymouth Center. And they actually do a writer in residency thing, and your only payment is like you you, you know you have the option of making a suggested donation, um, and they want you to basically stay for a week, and the suggested donation is 150 bucks. Um, there's no internet, but it does provide you lodging for a week for 150 bucks, which is like insane. Um, and Southern, it's on the um, the Weymouth Center is a basically a historical house um, and grounds. Uh, where writers uh, all go, and it's where they have the North Carolina Writers Hall of Fame. Um, and your only real payment is that you basically leave like a copy of your book in their li- in their library. Mm-hmm. And so you that, get to see. That's actually that's a, a pretty awesome way of doing it. I, I like that a lot. That's pretty interesting. And uh, I'm so, like I'm so excited. I want to go so bad, and I've just been trying to figure out when I want to go, um, uh, whether or not if I actually want to. Uh, see if I can coordinate maybe another residency with a good friend of mine um, or, or like a friend or two uh, to see, uh, I, you know, I, I mentioned it like, it's weird. It's like this, this, this whole thing is like, I mentioned uh, how bad, you know, I want to be alone <laughs> when it comes to that stuff. But every once in a while, there's like this, 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 like this, this need for, for connection, and it's like this weird it's like this weird thing where it's like balance 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 where um you know it's like i could like you know i could be alone for like you know a month you know not really interact with a whole bunch of people you know be fine and then all of a sudden have to be like incredibly social uh incredibly try uh, over over the top trying to just connect with folks um and then once that's once that need is satiated it just go back to you know, chilling. You know, hanging out by yourself and and just being being alone. And um, there's I, I spend a lot of time just being really introspective and in that. And it's like this weird balance, just trying to get all that figured out. 
Um, so I know if I were to do that residency at at the Weymouth Center, I would uh, go insane by probably day three. Okay. Um, <laughs> because so Southern Pines is um, a t- I don't know how familiar you are with Southern Pines down here. I've driven through it a couple times. I've blinked while driving through it and missed most of it. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, that's kind of the experience that, that everybody else I know kind of has the, the same mm-hmm. with there. It is. Um, so I went there for, there was I had a friend of mine. Um, we did, we uh, did a, did a tour of North Carolina. Um, we had a friend, uh, my good friend, Susan, uh, graduated from uh, when she graduated from Queens. Um, she's this uh, nice uh, older lady who uh, always encourages me to do stuff, and she always has incredibly complim- complimentary things to say about my writing, which I think she's she's too nice to me, but I appreciate it. And um, so she graduated, and we went up to 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 surprise her because I told her I couldn't go um, because of work stuff with Big Lots, because task Taskmaster Big Lots. Um, so, uh, so we went up, and then on the way back, we went to a poetry society, uh, North Carolina Poetry Society meeting at the Weymouth Center, and uh, the friend that I went up with, um, we ate, you know, we ate there, and and in this like little hole in the wall diner, um, that was like obviously the popular place in town. The movie theater didn't show relevant films, mm-hmm. like, um. You know, and there's like a little train that ran through there, but I was just like, I'm pretty sure I was like the only black person I saw outside of the Poetry Society uh, conference. So it's like, <laughs> I was like, I didn't see a lot of diversity in Southern Pines, which, you know, there's, you know, I, you know, that's obviously, you know, not saying anything. I'm not saying like the clan meets at Southern Pines. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, how it's just one of those things where it's like, even if it's unintended, you really feel like you just stick out. And, you know, I'm like six one, big guy. Like, you know, I don't he's like, oh, there's that kind of tall, fat black guy in the corner again. Like, I just feel like it would just draw a whole bunch of like unwanted attention, yep. especially if I didn't have like another person who I like know to interact with. Or, you know, if, if God forbid, if something were to happen in, in, in Southern Pines there. Which, the more and more I say that, it reminds me like Twin Peaks. <laughs> That's actually one that I, I've I've only been tangentially exposed to it. I've never watched it uh, continuously for, uh, like, I've never seen it end to end. I've only kind of seen bits and pieces. And then there was a, there were a couple of episodes of psych that referenced (laughs) twin peaks. So that's the majority of my exposure to twin peaks is through like the psych throwback episodes. Um, but other than that, yeah, I don't have as much, uh, exposure to twin peaks as, uh, as somebody who would have seen most of the series. Yeah. I, uh, I watched a couple episodes and watched the, the Sykes episode dual spires. And honestly, I, that's pretty much my fill of twin peaks. And, uh, (laughs) That's kind of like the idea, like it's just that, you know, kind of quiet, quaint town, um, you know, where the ice cream shop also still sells hamburgers. Like, you know, like kind of kind of like I was like, you know, it was like probably would have been like a hangout in American graffiti for like the town outside of this kind of big city. Like, you know, like or the town over that was their hang, you know, like. You have the t- you have the town American graffiti takes place in it's the town over <laughs> like like 
Oh man. But yeah, like, so I, I feel like I would have to do, I could do that by myself, but I don't know if I would completely enjoy it because I'd be too busy trying to take in the new surroundings, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, the thing for me is I always end up trying to put too much on the writing so that I'm like, okay, I've got to, I've got to find like this perfect place to, uh, to do this and like set it up and then like one thing will fall away and I'm like, oh, okay, well I can't do it now because like this, this perfect environment that I'd set up in my head isn't now available for me to go write in um, mm -hmm. as opposed to again, just doing it and just writing. And then eventually like it'll end up, you know, working itself out on its own as opposed to consistently trying to craft this, uh, you know, unachievable environment in which, you know, uh, angels will descend and halos will be given and trumpets will play while I'm writing and doing all that shit. Um, as opposed to just, you know, <laughs> just being productive, getting your thoughts out, you know, in whatever form they are, and then just kind of letting it go that way as opposed to, mm -hmm. you know, just making it bigger than it is. Yeah. That's, that's another thing too, is that a lot of folks I know romanticize writing. Um, and you know, even like either, even other writers. And it's one of those things that always makes me feel, um, a, a bit different than, um, you know, a, a bit, a bit disconnected, um, from other writers is because I, uh, you know, I, because it's so intimate, like I'm not like, even when I, what, even if like in the points where, because you always start when you always start writing, um, you always romanticize it a little bit. And because you're like, I'm being a creative, I'm being an expressive and, and, you know, and, and there, he had that gravitas uh, to the situation. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, a lot of writers do that. And I don't like do that as much anymore. It's like this real, it's, you know, it's a thing that happens in my bedroom and, you know, I, I just leave, you know, and after I'm finished, I'm just covered in shame. And <laughs> going and, back to the dick jokes. <laughs> and um so, you know, it you know, it, it's something that's like really personal in a way for me, but you know, I don't you know, I don't romanticize it because I don't it's not something that does like for me it's like not something that deserves to be romanticized. Like you know, because it's just as we said, it's like it's just an act. And, um, and that probably comes from like, just the, you know, folks always write, like it sucks because so, um, my poems are always sad and, you know, some, some instructors be like melancholy was a word that's been used. Um, and you know, and it's like, you know, they're not, you know, they're just things to me, you know, you know, like they're just you know, these are like, these are just things like it's something everybody can do. I'm not some crazy technical genius. I couldn't fucking spell individual like two days ago <laughs> because I just forgot, like, I just forgot how to spell it. And, and um, you know, it, it just, you know, like it, it it's not, like we want to add back, we do it, you know, it's, we, we do it to like sort of as a culture, we do it with 
like with other kinds of art too, um, where I've always, you know, like how you always, people always almost always sort of romanticize, um, you know, like art and uh, like painting and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even folks like Jackson Pollock, the dude was an alcoholic who painted, who would get drunk and sling paint on canvases in his garage. Like, is that like, what's romantic about that? (laughs) You know, like I could do that as a toddler and I'd get a whooping or a spanking. Or uh, if you're one of these parents from today's day and age, you uh, a stern, a stern hug. Okay. And, and (laughs) one that's gripped a little too tight and held on to a little too tight. Yeah. Yeah. A stern, a stern hug. And they tell you how proud they are of you. So, um, I kid, I kid. New age parents. Ugh, I don't even know how that works. All I have to go off is is what older baby boomers tell me about about parent parents nowadays. Is I get <laughs> I get all my news from baby boomers. <laughs> so I, I think we've uh, we've covered the the disdain for the writing process that that uh, is out there. Um, but uh, we we had talked about. Um, potentially doing some homework. So I, I had kind of two assignments, one which will require us to do a little bit more amount of work um, and the other, which can be more easily done. Um, so the the first being, uh, I, I was able to catch some of the Twitch coverage of Grand Prix Pittsburgh uh, over the weekend um, coming from the official wizard stream, which was excellent. Um, and, or as far it was excellent that I was able to catch it um, in, but it was not the greatest production quality. Um, <laughs> and so this is, this is a, a, you know, a product of, of hot debate throughout um, much of the, the magic community. Um, but similar to a lot of other podcasts that have done um, kind of like the riff track style episodes. Um, one of the, the podcasts I listened to with, uh, or what say you uh, with Brian Quinn and Sal Volcano from uh, Impractical Jokers? Uh, they mm-hmm. did basically a uh, a series of episodes where they uh, they watched uh, the final or final yeah Final Fantasy no they watched the Fast and the Furious <laughs> movies um, and basically like recorded live uh, commentary tracks on those movies um, and so one of the things I was thinking of was. Uh, we should kind of co-commentate or co-stream one of the GPs that are coming up um, or one of the events just to kind of see what else that would be like. Um, Since the folks that were on stream kind of covering things this week, um, they were a lot of the same folks that were, that do the pro tour coverage, but it was Mm -hmm. just, you could tell the production quality in and of itself was much lower. um, And it was just a completely different experience than, than some of the other streams. Um, And so it's like, you know, put your money where your mouth is and let us see what what we could do in that instance um, to, to just see what it's there. And I mean, obviously they're worrying about production quality of visuals and coverage Mm -hmm. and cameras and all of that stuff. Um, But that would be something that that could be cool if we could set that up for one of the other GPs that are coming up and we're both available on the weekend to set it up and, do it technically and watch it and then talk about it. And hopefully it would be a format that we're, we're more familiar with. So maybe it might not be the current standard format, but maybe something if there's a, a, a <laughs> modern GP or a modern open that is, is being uh, uh, 
cover it sometime, we could do that. It's not necessarily so much as the the, the Star City uh, coverage of their events and their commentators are usually pretty spot on. It just seems like uh, the the non Pro Tour coverage for a lot of the Wizards events aren't uh, uh, handled with the the same type of. Uh, quality that some of the other pieces uh, mm-hmm. of content are which i understand coming from a, a large enterprise company which is obviously much larger than uh wizards of the coast um but seeing the kind of where the, they choose to put some of the resources um as just a consumer of the game and you wanting it to be of the same level of quality that you know the proto would be for all of the gps um as opposed to just kind of obviously pulling back and having a much different view or a much different experience there is, is something. So that would be something we could try to set up uh, maybe if we're in the same town together and we do that. Mm. Uh, if not, we could try to set that up over the weekend at some point and, you know, just commentate around and see how it goes and, and go something from there. Oh yeah. We could, uh, we could like live stream that too. I think it'd be really funny uh, <laughs> because the longer, the longer that I play Magic, the uh, <laughs> the less that I figure out that I just like. I would say like care about the game, but like <laughs> the less that I'm just like, I'm just like just play it already. Shit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I was playing in some events uh, over the weekend, uh, and I mean even just like okay, well it's I can either try to think of the 37 different uh, angles I have to shoot uh here and, and to, to kind of count the outs there um or i can just try to jam this combo and see if i can win the game uh and so it's kind of the same thing where it feels like they're kind of doing the same thing in coverage uh, where obviously we wouldn't be producing it but you know we could cover it and kind of talk about some of it so yeah so that would be a good uh, a good effort to kind of put our money where our mouth is um kind of cover cover it the way we would want to cover it uh and even based on some of the what we were talking about before of needing to be overly explicit in announcing your intentions when playing paper magic in a, in a tournament format um, that would just lead everybody to being their own commentator. Um, so that might not be as difficult as, as we expect. So that would be something cool that we can, we can try to plan and, and see about uh, doing. So with that, that was the kind of the long-term or the more homework piece that would require us to actual exert an amount of effort to, to accomplish. Um, the, the shorter piece was something you had mentioned on, on Facebook. Um, it's something I had actually even had in my notes. So it's uh, uh, serendipitous that we're starting to, to kind of share a, a brain uh, <laughs> only a couple Hooray! episodes in. Um, uh is uh, kind of the concept of a media swap of some sort. Um, so why don't you ex- you explain what you had in mind, and then if it's different than what I had in mind, which I don't think it would be, uh, I can kind of say what I had, but then I, I think we're probably on the same page. Yeah. So the idea that I had as I was thinking about it the other day, and I, I was actually thinking it could be something, um, you know, we could actually do, um, I want to say like regularly, but... Um, something we could actually sort of get in the habit of doing but uh basically the idea is that um you take one piece of media that um that you really like or something or a piece of media that uh you've kind of been thinking about and it could be like uh you know short story book movie uh tv tv series um maybe a, a video game um um, usually they'd have, you know, to be realistic, cause I know we're both kind of busy. Um, you much more busy since you travel. Um, 
uh, you know, like have put like a realistic uh, um, time restraint on the amount of time that would take uh, take it up. Like, you know, I wouldn't be like, all right, Rick. So the piece I got for you is going to be about, uh, you know, <laughs> like uh, you're going to you're going to binge all all of Seinfeld in like three days. <laughs> like, you know, um, so you just try to be like sort of be realistic about that um, and just like, you know, exchange it. Um, and, you know, and that way, you know, we'd come back and it would almost be like a topic, uh, to sort of, um, spur off some themes there, uh, to talk about for future episodes and to talk about within that episode itself. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much exactly what I had of, uh, the good part there being, uh, as you said, you kind of left it open to medium as not necessarily just a, uh, um, a, kind of a book swap for for lack of a, a better kind of mm-hmm. uh uh blinders there uh but having it be something where it's uh, again kind of comparing you know a short story to a movie or a tv show um mm-hmm. uh to to something else so yeah that that would be a uh, something I, i'm very much interested in so we could uh there's some stuff i had it off the top of my head uh but i i would want to kind of review it again first uh based off of some of this um uh, but then we can kind of sync up uh later this week on uh on messenger see what makes sense uh and then kind of do the uh whole uh freaky friday swap handover and then go from there <laughs> yeah i uh i've got a piece i've got a piece for you i tell you i'll tell you now um the uh the piece i was thinking about for you is actually a video game but it's actually a really short one um and i think it'd be talk about some good 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 things there with a immersion but um i hope you haven't i hope you haven't played it i don't think you would have but that's the piece that's i'll give you that give the give the listeners a little a little tease okay if it's anything that's you know uh semi-mainstream within the past couple of years, I can pretty much guarantee that I, I wouldn't have played it. If it's something kind of going back to our further back, uh, uh, I have no idea, but uh, I would imagine it would have to be on one of the systems that I currently own. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And so it, it, we wouldn't be having to go uh, uh, scrounge up some, uh, some other external system. So yeah, if it's on uh, the Xbox or PS3, we should be able to, to be good to go. Yeah, I think actually just a uh, shout out to uh, my coworker Tyler, um, who's moving to who moved to Connecticut. Um, just moved to Connecticut uh, this Wednesday. Um, so he, since he's leaving the state, um, he had a whole bunch of video game stuff that he wasn't going to use anymore, and he knew I collected stuff. So uh, I got a PS3. Oh, awesome! And, and a crap ton of games uh, for free. Nice. So uh, shout out to Tyler. I appreciate it. Um, I'm actually going to give the PS3 to my mom so she can uh, have a little streaming box because she's always uh, asking about the, the the wrestling pay-per-views and trying to figure out how to use Netflix. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll just oh, this is free. I'll just give it to her. Be I'll pass it. Yeah, I'd be like, just use this. And I'm like, there's some games like because like like Fallout Three. I just imagine her trying to play Fallout Three. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was pretty good. Uh, and then let's see. So I guess, yeah, so we got to make sure, uh, we've, uh, can get folks. The other thing is too, is that with the, uh, 
with the once we decide what we can do um, to hopefully spurn uh, activity on uh, the Rick and Don Show Facebook page and the Rick and Don Show Twitter, uh, we can give uh, give you the the valiant and valuable listeners uh, updates about uh, what we've decided and uh, give little blurbs to those who want to sort of experience the same things that uh, uh, for the media swap, at least. Yep. Uh, yeah. That's a, actually a great idea of coming back into it um, and then having each of us kind of say what's on there um, or what we, what we plan to, to have the other one read uh, so that if folks want to do that ahead of time and have that experience before kind of coming in and, and getting our uh, review or experience with it, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just give a little, uh, you know, gives a little heads up and then, um, you know, I think it could be a really interesting thing because we both have like really different, you know, really, really different backgrounds. So I think it would be, uh, quite interesting, um, just to, just to see what, you know, what, what tickles our fancy at the moment there, so to speak. Yep. And so actually I just had a, uh, a, a good uh, kind of epiphany for where I want to start with uh, my first piece. So I think we're good there. Um, yeah. So I, I just want to double check it and then we can, we can throw some, uh, throw some, yeah, throw some stuff uh, since uh, it's <laughs> apparently I develop a list, but after nine 30, um, throw some stuff up on Twitter and Facebook and get folks uh, oriented to, to what we're, we uh, throw over at least uh, for some of this first stuff where uh, I know one of the other podcasts that I've listened to off and on since it has basically, and I, I don't remember if we talked about this before. Um, it, do you listen to Phoebe at all? Uh, Phoebe? Yeah. So it's got uh, Matt, uh, Matt Mira and, uh, or Matt Myra um, and, uh, 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 yeah, I can't even know. I'm, I know I'm having a total brain fart now. Um, uh, where Scott Mosier of uh, Smodcast, uh, those guys do a podcast together and they have a section okay. that's called Fee Reads, um, which actually, uh, Brian Quinn stole, just stole the, the segment, uh, wholesale, uh, for his, uh, for the What Say You pod where they, they were doing just a Fee Breeds section on, uh, what say you, uh, but Phoebe is four eyes and a beard. Um, and so that was a section <laughs> where they, they were doing book recommendations and things like that. So that okay. would be something relevant. So if it's something that works out or, or is well for, for the beginning, uh, we can go uh, and kind of do that as a, a recurring segment for uh, as long as it works out. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, I'm always good. For, I'm always down for segments and uh, like segments. Love them. Yeah, that it always makes it easier because then you end up having a lot of stuff to to spurn on, um, and then uh, just kind of always come back to talk to, and then jump off into other stuff. And obviously, we can go off into rants on a lot of things, and but always come back to to some sort of topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I, I think we did a pretty good job there of uh, uh, at least covering the disdain for writing. Uh- <laughs> That 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 breeds uh, that is bred within every uh, every writer. I'm pretty sure. Um. Uh, it's <laughs> it definitely grows, and uh, I I'm old. I don't ever believe I'm ever able to actually uh, kind of uh, satiate it. It just kind of goes away on its own, and then and then uh, kind of 
comes back and is there in full force. So uh, yeah. as, as long as we keep doing this and we're able to kind of get some of that out and uh, the more, the more I talk and we publish here, the, the less I actually have to put uh, fingers, a keyboard and type. So uh, I'll be happy to do that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I know I have to. Uh... Oh, so I know you, you did mention AWP. Um, I, I did not go to the uh, Associated Writers uh, program conference this year. Uh, mostly was due to cost. Um, so I, I got back from Louisville, uh, and the cost of the convention or the convention, the, the cost of the conference was just realistically, it was really unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, it was $300 for like a three day conference, basically. Okay. And, you know, plus the travel, like, I basically did the thing where I was like, is it really going to be worth without scrounging together $1,000 to go to D.C. to deal with all these writers who are super liberal? Now, and I say this with love, uh, you know, deal with all these writers who are super liberal and who are really angry at what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they have every right to and they have every right, you know, they, they have every right to be angry. Um you know, <laughs> it's just to be in that situation where, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not your typical liberal. Like I'm, you know, I'm pro gun, you know, pro death penalty. And, uh, I like, I, you know, I like shooting guns and I like getting people the electric chair and, um, you know, and, you know, <laughs> just to, just to be in that, that mood and, and, and to be in that area where they're just kind of stewing, mm-hmm. And there was a lot of folks who um, I have one one dear friend who actually was really cool. She ended up uh, uh, getting some folks together and actually visiting her senator uh, representatives, I believe, uh, um, senator or representative, uh, and uh, you know, you know, dropping off a, a letters from all the constituents in their area that they know, um, you know, who are concerned about the way that things are going in in the capital. And, uh, you know, that's cool, but it's, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, you have all these really inclusive groups and a lot of minorities, a lot of folks of color. And, you know, just for them to be, I like, I just couldn't handle stewing in the, stewing in the, in the, in the outrage. And, um, you know, that with the cost, it was just mostly cost, um, but I, I just couldn't I couldn't handle stewing stewing in it and then spending a thousand dollars to, you know, be upset with this you know, with the president. Uh and and Congress and, and the Senate in general, especially my representative. Um which I've been I've been debating whether or not to get in a in a uh, in, in a Twitter, Twitter war with. <laughs> yeah, I was like I'm so close. I'm so close. Well so. that's something else that we could cover live again is you know, <laughs> we recorded a time when, you know, they'll be responding or a town hall and then we, you know, live tweet and uh cover that live as some additional commentary. <laughs> I'm hoping. My uh my my senator the senator for my district uh is basically afraid to meet his constituents. <laughs> Uh, that's what I, I had a buddy fly through over the weekend, and he was basically saying the same uh, the same thing for the state senator from, uh, or well, the, the senator from Pennsylvania uh, was is basically been uh, missing in action from his constituents as well. So uh, for some reason, I think that's kind of a. Uh, um, uh, 
not an endearing, uh, growing <laughs> concept um, where where many folks are having to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, yeah the because I thought about because I thought about going and I thought about when I was thinking about going, I was like, look, I'm gonna have a sit down with Richard Burr, and he's gonna see my poor black behind in his office, and he's gonna give me the schmooze, and I'm gonna look at him and be like, don't give me the schmooze. Come on, man. You got to you got to represent the state better. Uh, but he's basically forcing folks to his uh, he, he's basically forcing people to wait a month to schedule visits. And then he's not a busy senator. I've looked through I've looked through his record on that. He's proudly posted on his website and he averages about maybe four bills a year that he helps sponsor. Uh, <laughs> so I to be fair, I've never been a senator. But I don't imagine that it's very much work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and those are co-sponsors on, on 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 many of those. So he probably was just in the room and was like, "I'll do it." But uh, <laughs> so it was uh, that that was a dream deferred because uh, Richard Senator Richard Burr, uh, who is retiring at the end of this term, uh, is too afraid to meet his constituents. Yeah, that's that's a uh, unfortunately a disappointing trend that's that's kind of growing. Um, I mean, there there are a number of senators who are very active uh, and very engaged, um, but they're also the ones that don't seem to be pissing too many people off. Um, and so the the ones that are uh, that are kind of fighting the the violent opposition for a lot of this stuff, uh, and I use you know violent in air quotes as far as uh, it mm-hmm. should be, I guess more vehement. Um, uh, and uh, passionate, so uh, it's interesting to see how how folks deal with that, where uh, they either run and hide or you know engage them in full force. Um, and so it's just interesting to to kind of see that that uh, tactic, whether it's a stalling tactic or a uh, um, one they're actually trying to implement uh, to for you know some greater good on their end but we'll see how it actually turns <laughs> out uh, you know once uh, once some of those those folks are up for uh, re-election. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I wonder if uh, I wonder if politicians have that same self-loathing as writers do. I, uh... <laughs> uh, I would imagine most of them probably have it somewhere, and then they have a lobbyist that comes and gives them a lot of money, and then they, it makes them feel good all over again. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, usually uh, they're they're, uh, they're not having a, a problem um with it with it for the long haul. So it's uh, it's usually uh, you know they, they get that. Uh, uh, the the green colored band aids put on pretty quick and then everything is uh, is perfectly okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and uh, for all you politicians that listen to the Rick and Don show, yeah, not you. You guys are the good ones. You guys fight the uh, fight the you guys fight. <laughs> USA USA USA. <laughs> well, uh, speaking so... of USA. <laughs> I was going to say, so we've jumped into, you know, some of the more outlandish stuff. So at least now, you know, people won't be jumping on my back about all of the, uh, the thing debacle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, now it's my turn to get some heat for being a, uh, a gun toting liberal who likes a death penalty. I, uh, ah, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I don't know. It's like, it's something I realized when I was, you know, when I was, when I was younger, but I've been, I, I was, I was, I've just been that way. My entire well, life, it's we're weird. We're pretty much on the, the same page there because it's ironic that you kind of brought up those points where it's kind of I'm on the same where it's like I'm uh, I'm pro gun, but I'm still uh, a an idea of gun control 
Um, mm-hmm. and, but I'm so I mean the the lack of so. I, I using just pure logic, I can't see how having uh, common sense gun laws would make me anti-gun since I'm still pro-gun ownership. Um, yeah. And so that's just a conversation that's been had a few times. But then I'm also like for the death penalty. Um, I, I mean, there's there are certain aspects there where uh, yes, applied correctly, um, it is it does make sense in in my mind. But I, I understand some of the the counter arguments there. Mm. Um, and I, I understand I'm on the the flip side of some of that. But then you know I'm very much a, a pro-choice voter um, for the the abortion stance, and then everything else mm-hmm. is pretty much a, a the the liberal acceptance movement of uh, of <laughs> uh what's in my mind so yeah i mean i think we're very yeah. much on the, the kind of the same page for a lot of that which is which is odd that it's kind of like uh coming up to a lot of the same uh even though i mean we we have uh very similar interests and very similar uh kind of circles uh, that it ends up being like very uh because those are things like we've never even talked about yet we still mm-hmm. end up having like the same mindset on on all those things yeah yeah, which that's that's really cool too. Because I've always been, you know, I've I've always been pro-choice, and uh, the I was always very adamant about that during high school. Um, <laughs> which, aside, my my high school had a bit of a, a teen pregnancy problem, okay. but um, those two things aren't necessary. <laughs> There's like no actual connection there. But I was always in my mind, I'm like, you know, like this is always that would always you know like this is option A, B, or C. Um, but yeah, so no, I would always, you know, people always be like, it's always weird. Like, what are you, dude? Why are you pro-choice? Like, cause, like, because, like, know? what's the other alternative? Like, we're arbitrarily <laughs> limiting options for people that you have no right to say what they can do with their body. Um, <laughs> and so it's just there. There ends up being something that uh, you don't necessarily have to uh, agree with the choice they're making, um, but you're still supporting their ability to have that mm-hmm. choice. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for, for me, for them, for, for that argument to be used specifically so much for the first amendment, like, I don't see how that gets <laughs> lost in translation when you're going it to like, to basically somebody saying something to now somebody, you know, not necessarily being able to, to kind of live after going through a high risk pregnancy or something like that. Um, yeah. So it's like just, it's a completely different, <laughs> Uh, I mean, mind-boggling situation that it's uh, – uh, there's a lot there. And I mean, there's w- one of – this is something we'll have to come back to at, at another point since mm-hmm. we are kind of running along already. Uh, yeah. But like one of the the seminal pieces of media, which actually I may have just gotten a different piece of media for you this week um, that like I grew up on was one of George Carlin's comedy specials. And there's so many angles and there's so many like perfect jokes and setups. Mm -hmm. And there's not like one ounce of fat on any piece of delivery that he has that talks a lot about that, where there's like these constructed uh, concepts that we have because, you know, we're here uh, as people that are living and want to keep it that way as opposed to all this other stuff. And so we kind of make up these other things to, to to downplay the ability for other people to have free thought and it just like the fact that he was like just blowing up that foundation for everybody that was using that argument when I was at such a young age like I've always just been kind of the antithesis of uh, you know you shouldn't be able to do that it's like okay why and I just kind of keep <laughs> why 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 and like I'm the, I know I'm the annoying toddler in the room but it's like Again, going back to comedians, Louis C.K.'s bit about he doesn't have – it's not his responsibility to tell your kids about, uh, you know, 
what gay people are. It's the the same <laughs> concept. It's like it, it, I just because I exist doesn't mean I have the right to kind of influence what you do with your life. And so that's kind of the biggest thing that I've always railed against mm-hmm. for for folks doing that, um, where there's a uh, the application of a lot of laws, morals, intents, things like that, that, uh, just kind of are meant to, uh, impugn and, you know, limit another person's quality of life arbitrarily, um, just is ridiculous to me. And so I, I know there's a lot of our friends in common have, have very similar feelings there. And so I, I'm glad to, to kind of see that, uh, it's something where, we're on the same page and that the, the movements for some of that are still growing to counteract uh, the tide that, that kind of was around there for a while, um, mm-hmm. whether or not it was just kind of like a stake in the ground with something like Roe versus Wade, just having that landmark decision that, you know, cemented it versus kind of the pushback or the blowback for some of it now. Um, but just seeing where it's going, uh, I mean, people need to be more vocal. They just need to kind of get it out there to say, like, mm-hmm. again, you know, these aren't new problems. These are things where like that George Carlin special, he recorded it. I want to say 23 ish years ago, uh, 22 years ago, maybe. Um, and it's still, you know, utterly relevant now. And it's, you know, it could have literally been posted or he could have released it as a Netflix special if he was still alive, like <laughs> last year. And it would be, everything would be super spot on. Um, and so it just goes to show that like you, you always need to have that, um, you know, whether it whether it's there or not, like the subversive nature of just thinking against the uh, some of that stuff. So um, that's another thing. Let me make a note of that to to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's you know it's it's good and you know it's uh, all about all about free choice. Yeah, and that's kind of the, the thing for me is uh, it just uh, if there's somebody telling me what I can't do. Like, I don't appreciate that. So why would I want to try to apply that to somebody else? Um, and especially like then going back to the imposter syndrome, if there's somebody telling me something I can't do, all I'm going to do is try harder to do it, to prove them wrong. So it's just you know, it's <laughs> counterproductive at that point. So, uh, I just become uh, contrarian and, and annoying. So, uh, no, whether that just sums me up or sums, you know, everybody on the, uh, you know, the typical, uh, the left, um, uh, it's, you know, it is what it is, but we'll, we'll see where it goes and, and hopefully we can maintain <laughs> yeah. some sanity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yes. I did want to do a quick shout out. Um, it looks like we are up to, uh, uh, 20, 20 likes on the Rick and Don show page, which that is, is exciting. Awesome. Um, I appreciate um, all the likes from people because as it keeps going up, Facebook is teaching me how to count. Um, so I, I now know the difference between 10 and 20. Um, so I am glad to know that 20 is greater than 10. So, uh, thank you for the likes. And if we can keep increasing that up, I will maybe one day be able to count to a hundred. Um, Oh God willing. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so, so that's, uh, thanks for all the likes there. We'll, we'll be more active on the Twitter, uh, as of this episode, uh, going up and, and getting recorded and some of that stuff. Um, and hopefully share some more content, um, and, uh, uh, pictures and images and links and all of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. so we can go from there. Yep. Yep. And, uh, I think that'll about, that'll about cover us here for, uh, for today. Uh, we always appreciate you listening. Um, and you guys should enjoy these first um, first episodes as long as they stay ad free. Uh, 
uh, because as soon as we have an ounce of popularity, I'm going to hit that sellout button so fast for my <laughs> for my Loot Crate Blue Apron. Uh, Stamps.com. <laughs> Stamps.com. <laughs> well, we just have something where it's just we we just we automatically have synergy with Puka Trade and Stamps.com. So we just need to figure out something there where they can come together and then everybody just signs up for stamps.com and it gives us Puka trade points and then we just get magic cards. So that's really all I'm in it for is just to have more magic cards. So um, eventually we'll get there one way or another. Uh, uh, yeah. Nintendo, uh, all your switch pre-orders are gone. You uh, I'm a media mogul now with my, with this, with this podcast, we've got 20 likes on Facebook. Send me, send me free stuff. Exactly. <laughs> I kid, I kid. I uh I got it's a whole nother situation I gotta figure out too. I think as an adult, I'm going to take a day off of work to buy a Nintendo Switch. Uh it's I mean, people taking off uh work for Madden, there's been other games where I've had coworkers that have taken days off for, for some games, so that's that wouldn't surprise me in the least and is is something that uh, uh I would totally approve of. Yeah, yeah, I you know because I missed the pre-order window, so I think I'm just gonna take a day off, camp outside of like Walmart or GameStop, and get my Nintendo Switch. And because they're still they're still having some, they maxed out all the pre-orders, but they're still having some for release. So, um, well, cool. That's what uh, if you end up getting that, we'll have to do cover that as far as a not necessarily an unboxing since an unboxing doesn't really work real well in an audio only medium that's the cardboard but a uh no not plug it into the hdmi 2 not hdmi 1 um <laughs> but we could we could at least have have some coverage or get a, a good first-hand review from someone who's uh who's experienced quite a number of uh, video game systems and see see what you think oh yeah yeah the uh yeah and that'd be that'll be good um, but let's see, I don't want this to go on too terribly long since we do have a couple other things to take care of here off of, uh, off, uh, off cast. So yep. I think, uh, this has been Don with the Rick and Don show signing off Please here. Listen carefully. Mm-hmm.